The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think and feel and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And once again, this week is no exception. Today we've got a serious show. We're going to talk all about what it's like and what we need to know to become widowed. Now, it's obviously, it's not a fun topic, but there's so many boomers that are aging now and so many people who are leaving our planet, if you will, and there's a lot of widows and a lot of widowers there. My guest is Bonnie Merrifield. She's written two books, One, So You're a Widow, Tips, Advice, and Stories from Widows to Widows, where she interviewed 34 women getting advice as to what women can do to deal with becoming widowed. And there's close to uh, close to three quarters of a million women who become widowed each and every year. And there's also about 100,000 men who become widowed every year also. So she's written a separate book, a new book, The Ultimate Widower's Guide, Advice from Men, where she's interviewed a group of men to talk about the experiences of becoming widowed, what you need to know, mistakes that can be made, how to handle grieving, how to handle getting back into society, how to, how to handle the logistics of when somebody passes, what to look out for, how to prepare in advance, whether it be uh, an, a, an abrupt ending or something that was an ongoing uh, chronic illness, a debilitating illness. So there's a lot to cover here. On Guys Guys Radio, I like to bring in information and it's going to help you live your best life. And part of living your best life is knowing how to deal with the end of other people's lives. And we all face death at some point. And you have to determine for yourself, each and every individual, what that means to you. Is it the end? Is it a transition? Is it a passing? And a lot of that determines how you're going to deal with it, because I promise you, you're going to be faced with the death of a loved one or a death of a friend or a colleague at some point, and sometimes it'll be surprising. I know in my own life, I lost friends when I was a kid. Um, one of my best friends had a an brain aneurysm, like freshman year, I think, in college. That was such a surprise to me, a brilliant friend of mine, and he was gone. And other friends I've lost along the way, really important friends, and you just ask yourself, I don't know why. Now, when it comes to a spouse, that's probably the person you're closest to for the majority of your life besides your parents. So some people have been married, like my parents were married 65 years, and my dad died three years ago, and it really set my mom off in a different direction because I don't think she's ever been the same since then. That's a long time to be married, and it's just tough for a lot of people to deal with everything that goes on when a loved one passes. So we're going to get into all of that today because one of the things I want to do here on the show is bring you information that could be helpful to you, maybe not right now, maybe not tomorrow, but at some point, as I said, we're all going to be faced with the death of somebody close to us. So it's up to us how we can prepare and how we're going to look at that 
passing, and what our beliefs are about spirituality and religion and just life itself and death itself. And so when we get some information, some guidance from somebody who's been there, done that, and has interviewed over 50 people who are experiencing similar issues, in this case, becoming widowed, I think it's worth sharing on Guys Guys Radio. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm excited about the show. Uh, Bonnie is a very lovely person. Her name is Bonnie Merrifield. Uh, Merrifield, and we're going to talk to her all about what you need to know becoming a widow or a widower, or as she says, becoming widowed. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, today we're going to talk about what you need to know when you become or if you become a widow or a widower. On Guys Guys Radio, we cover all types of subjects with the 750 folks I've interviewed, thought leaders from all areas around the world. And today we're going to talk about something that's very practical and very important because as the baby boomer generation ages, there's going to be more and more widows and widowers around the world or people who have been widowed, as they say. Did you know that there are over 700,000 women and 100,000 men each year that become widowed? And with that boomer generation aging, there's going to be a lot more in years to come. So what do we need to know and how can we educate ourselves to the best way to face up to what can be a cold, hard truth when our spouse or significant other passes, either suddenly or following a long-term illness? So we're fortunate today to welcome writer Bonnie Merrifield to Guys Guys Radio. Unfortunately, Bonnie lost her husband of 44 years in 2018 and needed to get herself up to speed on the end-of-life process and moving forward alone. And it's a challenge. And so Bonnie has put together two books. One is called So Now You're a Widow, Tips, Advice, and Stories from Widows to Widows, and also her new book, The Ultimate Widower's Guide, Advice from Men. And in both cases, Bonnie interviews a lot of folks who've gone through the same process as she has to get their insights and to see if there's some consistencies and some messages and some learning, really, that everybody can share together. So she's written separate books on the subject, and we're going to get into our conversation right here on Guys Guys Radio. So it's my pleasure to welcome Bonnie Merrifield to Guys Guys Radio. Welcome, Bonnie. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine, Robert. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. And this is a subject that it's not a fun subject, but it's an important subject because, you know, we're all aging. And uh, in many ways, aging is a choice, as I like to say, but eventually we're all going to the same place. So it's good to be prepared. So tell us a little bit about um, what happened to you. Your husband, a 44-year passed in 2018, and this led to you being inspired to write your first book, So Now You're a Widow. Tell us what happened and what inspired you to write the book. He had MDS, Robert, and that's myelodysplastic syndrome. It used to be called pre-leukemia, and he fought it for seven years. We had five good years with the disease, and the last two were not good. Um, He did pass on May 15th, so it's coming up to the fifth year anniversary, which seems almost unbelievable. But I'm a reader, so I wanted to do research. And one of the women I interviewed for the book for widows said, people tell you how to plan a wedding, uh, decorate your home, drive a car, train a dog, but nobody tells you how to be a widow. And so in looking at the books that I saw in stores, 
it 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 didn't make sense because it was one person's viewpoint or even if the person thought about um including widows in the title like uh, from widows to widows it wasn't once in a while you'd find a couple of sentences from another person. So I thought I'm interviewing 34 widows for, for the first book and let's get a, a variety of, of responses, of experiences, of advice, what these women have learned. That's so a I very did. great idea. And and you do, you do talks around the country and around Florida, particularly to help widows and widowers out with this so i congratulate you on your helping people in a in kind of a not not a sexy subject if you will but something that people need to know because there is no kind of guidebook for this so when you spoke to the first of all how did you choose the the women for your let's talk about the widows first how did you choose the women and did you find any consistencies or and any aha moments in what you heard from them comparing it to your own personal experience each interview lasted three hours, and in that time, we 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 laughed and we cried. I had given them the questions ahead of time, Robert, so they had a chance to look at at the questions and go over the answers. Um, aha moments! There 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 were a lot of them. One of one of the consistencies with the women was that they. They didn't, they weren't angry. They had been taking care of their husbands. They were so busy. They really didn't have time to grieve until their husband had passed. Um, that was different than the men. The men, and I hope I'm not getting off track here, Robert. No, but the fine. men, excuse me, the, the men started grieving as soon as her wife was diagnosed. The women were too busy caring for their husbands to to begin the grieving process. Well, let's let's start at the let's go through the process because both books you kind of break down the processes that people need to go through if they become widowed, whether a widow or a widower. Um, grieving um, memories, um, signs that you still have a connection, dealing with regrets, family dynamics, dealing with others' concerns choosing how to live your life, et cetera, going forward, taking care of yourself, pets in a new life, how to deal with paying bills, making decisions, cooking alone, cleaning house, household chores, the bedroom, being prepared, social invitations. It's a real how-to guide, and I applaud you for that. So let's start at the beginning. So the first thing is really how to manage the logistics when your spouse passes, even if it's a whether it's sudden or something that you know is coming up at the time, it still must hit you like a big punch in the stomach. Well, it does. It does. And with with Pete, Pete was my husband, Robert. Um, it, it was so, it was difficult for me. I volunteered at hospice, so I should have been prepared for this, but I always expected him to rally. I never expected that this was it. And after Pete passed, I asked my doctor, why, why didn't I realize that this time Pete wasn't going to make it. And she said, that's because he was yours. It's different when you're dealing with strangers. 
but when it's your husband, you you don't you don't want to give up. And that was another thing, Robert. I didn't want Pete to think that I was losing hope that that he would right. come out of this. So for somebody, um, Bonnie, who is uh, knows that it's a long process, and and says in your case versus something sudden, what type of and you really in the back of your mind you have to do some planning. What are the things that um, the audience out there needs to know about if you think that there is kind of a soft timetable in place, uh, what should they be doing? What should the women be doing? What should the men be doing? Well, actually, for both of them, ignoring it doesn't make it go away. It's going to happen. And let's face it, either a wife is going to die first or a husband is going to die first. And you have to be practical about it. What you have to do is have basically usernames and passwords. If I had to say one thing to start with, the surviving spouse is going to be responsible for the finances, for everything that we do on computers, for bank accounts, um, financial investments, things like that. And you have enough to deal with without wondering, where does this password go? Where does this username go? Is there a username? Is there a password? Where are the, where's the social security box? I can't find the keys. What am I going to do? And that's why it's so important to have this information in one place. It takes the pressure off, at least with regard to that. And let's face it. When when you're the surviving spouse, you're taking care of yourself now. And you need to know these things. That's a that's a great that's a great insight. How about when dealing with the actual logistics of um, you know, the, the the physical body transpires? What do you do? I mean, a lot of people haven't even thought that through. You have to deal with the funeral arrangements and if you depending on your religious beliefs whatever awake and then the burial and the a plot and how you know do people from your conversations do they are they pretty good about planning this stuff out in advance or do a lot of people just get caught off guard and start making decisions at the same time as they're dealing with the uh, shock and trauma of losing their closest loved one that was interesting the men um the men wanted people to know that they should plan ahead, that they should have that that burial plot or crypt. The women did it as it came up. As for me, we didn't have a burial plot. We did. We had talked about um, being cremated when the time would come. But what what I did. When Pete went into hospice, and he was only there 32 hours, Robert, when Pete went into hospice, I went to the funeral home because I knew this was it, and my sister-in-law went with me, and I made the arrangements, thank goodness, when I did, because all of a sudden, it's there, and the funeral home handled everything. People yeah. always ask, excuse me. Go ahead. Okay. People always ask where Pete's buried. And I I say, well, he was cremated. And right now he's on top of the entertainment unit in the bar room <laughs> at home. That's a pretty good place, right? Yeah, well, he he, <laughs> he loved being the host, Robert. Fantastic. But when I passed, then our ashes, he was a veteran. 
And so when I pass, our ashes will be scattered together in the the VA home in um, Union Grove, Wisconsin. So when you were going through the process, Bonnie, um, of the logistics of getting through to the burial and dealing with all of that, were there any surprises that came up, whether it be financial or logistical? You, and you mentioned the password thing, which I think is brilliant. Um, anything else that came up along the way that our, our listeners and viewers out there need to know about? I think an important thing, and it goes back to those finances, um, you absolutely need to understand finances. And this is for the men and the women. He always said, you know, why don't you just sit down? We'll go over the bills. And then if something happens to me, you you won't be surprised. And I said, honey, I've got to meet the girls for lunch or I'm going shopping. But I didn't do that until Pete was in the hospital. And all of a sudden, I had to do it. So I would say, whether you're a husband or a wife, you need to sit down and go over those finances when you can have a discussion. Because all of a sudden, you're going to be alone. Or it's going to be close to that time when you will be alone. And you definitely need to know how to do the bills. I I did mine, Robert. I, I paid my charge account, but Pete took care of all the big bills. Mm-hmm. And I started doing it with, when he was in the hospital. And the first thing I did was to switch his system over to mine. That was the first thing I did. So I had a grip on it. But my advice would be start while there's two of you, while you can talk about the bills. Putting it off isn't going to change anything. And you absolutely have to get that. And I, it sounds like I'm stressing finances over the heartache, but the, the heartache's going to be there. You still have to pay the bills. Got it. You, okay. So my special guest on Guys Guys Radio is Bonnie Merrifield, author. And uh, she was an English teacher, and she now helps folks with uh, those who are widowed, both men and women. She's got two books, The Ultimate Widower's Guide, the new one, Advice from Men. And so you now you're a widow. Tips, advice, and stories from widows to widows. Um, so now let's talk about grieving a little bit, because that's, you know, the, the logistics go away. Uh, they're done with for the most part. And then you have to catch up in terms of dealing with the will and the bills. And it, let's say you've done all of that correctly. You're still going to have pain from losing your closest companion. How, how, what if you, what happened with you? And what did you hear from the other men and women in terms with managing grief? We, we've all heard of the five stages of grief, but denial, anger, uh, bargaining, depression, acceptance. How did that go for you and from the men and women that you interviewed? Grieving is an individual process. When you have those stages of grief, it doesn't go one, two, three, four, five. You can skip over to four and back to one and then over to three. So grieving is an individual. It's an individual experience for everyone. Um, The the men, as I said before, started grieving when their wives were diagnosed. If the death was sudden, um, one man came home from work. His wife had died of a heart attack while he was at work. That that instant grief 
lends another layer to the grieving process. Grieving is like PTSD. It, it is like post-traumatic stress syndrome because you've had a traumatic event and you need people to understand, to be compassionate. And Robert, you need time to get over it. You, you asked what my personal experience was and you're so busy at the beginning. As you said, you're making funeral arrangements. I was in Florida. We have a home in Wisconsin. It's it's packing up everything here and moving his clothes, um, his papers, and getting that back to Wisconsin. And when, when you're doing all this, you don't have time to grieve. And then you have people coming for the services. You have family arriving from out of town. And all of a sudden, everybody's gone. And you're alone. I had my two cats. And I was I was alone. And it though I call them shots of grief. Those shots of grief hit you when you least expect them. I had trouble sleeping and I hadn't had that before. And what I did, I'd watch TV. I I went through um, Pete's drawers. I I did anything I could so I didn't I didn't have to go to sleep in that empty bed. The men and women I interviewed um, had experiences with their family members where all of a sudden everyone was hovering over them and there was no time to grieve because people were acting like you were a child. Um, for the men, it was a little different. You know, men are expected to be strong. And the men had, had many of them had children, young and adult to take care of. And there was so much for them to do, things they hadn't done before, like cooking or house cleaning. This has to be done whether or not you're grieving. So my advice is to take your time and understand the grief will ease. It will ease with time. It will ease with compassion of your friends. You just have to get through it. There's, there's no way around it. It's going to it's going to be there. How did you and how have the um, people you interviewed dealt with uh, managing um, the family connections throughout the funeral service process and then going forward? Any advice there? Any insights that you picked up? What I learned was that everyone grieves in their own way, and that includes family members. Everyone has their own concepts of death. So for some people, it's we don't want to talk about it. Uh, we're going. We're not going to to mention the wife or the husband. Um, we'll just go on. We won't talk about it. But you have to talk about it. You, a husband or a wife, needs to realize they're not the only person grieving, and it. It's difficult, especially for men. We women have our girlfriends to talk to. That's the difference. And women share feelings. They share emotions. Men talk about activities. They talk about business. They talk about 
getting involved in politics. They talk about hobbies. They talk about sports. They talk about cars. But they don't talk about those feelings or emotions. And that's what they talked about with their wives. And that's one of the reasons, Robert, why someone will will open up to a woman. That's what they did with me. The kids didn't want to talk about mom dying, but the men needed to talk about their grief. And they had had the questions before as well. So when we had, and their interviews were three hours too, um, when we had these talks, I learned early to have a box of Kleenex handy because it didn't matter if they had been widowed for 23 years or if they had been widowed for a year. That emotion was at the surface and it needed to be released. Now, do you find from your own personal beliefs, and as well as when you spoke to other folks, a, a connection that maybe, you know, death is not the end? Do you feel a connection with Pete and do the other folks feel a connection still with their loved one who has passed? That was, excuse me, that was one of my, my favorite um, chapters, and I titled it Signs That He's Still Watching Over You. And Pete. When someone tells you he or she has had a sign from their husband or wife that that they're still watching over them, that 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 love connection is still there, you have to accept it because many people have experienced this. Um, I've I've experienced it. One of my most intense experiences was six months after Pete died, and I had a bad cough, so I wasn't sleeping, and early, very early in the morning, I heard Pete's voice as clear as we're talking together. And he said, missing you. And without skipping a beat, I said, missing you too, honey. And I looked at the clock and the digital time on the clock went from 4.39 to 4.40. And that was exactly the time Pete passed. Um, women have have told me that they felt a hug that when they were in bed, that's interesting too, that many of these experiences happen at night when everything is quiet and they felt a hug. They, they felt their husband next to them and when they reached, there was an indentation in the bed and it was warm. Um, one of the men saw his wife on the stairs at a restaurant the night he met his second wife. And his first wife had told him she wanted him to find someone that he was too young. He was in his 40s to be alone. And the night he met his second wife, he saw his wife standing on a staircase and she smiled at him. And that was a sign. But people have had these. And it's it's it can't be explained, but it happens. And people need to accept this. If someone's telling you they've had a sign, accept it and know that person is one of many. Did you find when Pete initially passed and also from the other folks that you've spoken to that the presence of their uh, loved one um, 
stayed on this earth plane for like a couple of days or maybe a week before kind of things, sh the energy shifted. And then of course these things happen along the way where you get like, I guess Pete, Pete spoke to you in uh, telepathically, I guess, right? Or did you no, actually hear, no. you heard his voice? Out Robert, okay. I heard his voice as clear as yours right now. Okay. And um, one woman felt that hug I had mentioned the day after her husband passed. Um, with with Pete, that, that was, well, that was one of many signs I've had, but that was six months mm -hmm. after he passed that I heard his voice and I did hear it. It wasn't my imagination. It wasn't telepathically. His voice was there. What's your best advice for um, for the folks out there who've lost somebody in terms of finding closure? And I don't mean finality, but closure to the process of transition and being able to move on and having not only the memories of your loved one, but also that spiritual, if you will, um, energetic connection to them wherever they might be. Um, how do you advise people and what have you heard about that? The big thing is we have to realize that everyone has losses. People lose children, they lose parents, they lose siblings. And as devastating as it is for us to lose a spouse and the loss of a spouse ranks number one out of 43 stressful life events on life stress scales. Sure. So it is very traumatic, but we need to realize everyone has losses. And what are you, you can't change what happened. You've been dealt those cards and it's up to you to play them negatively or positively. You, you have your friends, you have your family and they're grieving with you. So you need to realize that you must move on. What are you going to do? Dishonor the person you lost by sitting in the house and staring at four walls? Or are you going to honor them by realizing how precious life is? How every day is a gift? You, Someone who's lost someone knows that more than anyone, how precious life is. But you have to make the effort. You never get over it, Robert, but you get through it. And the best way to honor that person you lost is to, to be happy, to be someone that people want to be around. Bonnie Merrifield, my special guest on Guys Guys Radio, we're talking about becoming widowed. It's not a happy subject, but it's something that happens. Um, first book, So Now You're a Widow, Tips, Advice, and Stories from Widows to Widows, and a new one, The Ultimate Widower's Guide, Advice from Men. Well, based on your experience in interviewing all these folks, were there any um, mistakes that seem to come up that people make uh, that could be avoided in terms of going through the entire process? One of my chapters deals with regrets. and you have to realize you can't change anything. What's happened, happened. Whether or not it's something you did or didn't do, said or didn't say. And for the men, the the regret that came up so many times was that they hadn't told their wives how much they were appreciated 
and loved. Another regret from the men was that they, I should backtrack a little, they never expected their wife to die first. That that was huge. So what did they do? They worked extra hard so she would be provided for, she and the family, when he died, except it didn't work out that way. The wife was the first to die. And the husband was thinking all these hours I spent away from home, the the, the times I didn't tell her I appreciated her, I, I loved her. That's what they regretted. Um, for the wives, it, it was easier because, well, I used to tell Pete, he had more hugs and kisses and I love you's in a day than a lot of guys had in their entire marriage. And he would always say, well, you got that right. But for the wives, it was maybe telling those husbands that they they really love them. Mm-hmm. And yes, we know it. Anyone who, who's married knows it. But but that led up to the regret later. And you, you can't change what happened. That's why I always say the serenity prayer is the one to go to for that. You know, let me know what I can change, what I can't, and let me know the difference. Uh, let me let, let me follow up on that. How did your uh, either religious or spiritual beliefs help you going through the process? And what did you hear from the other folks in terms of um, the same thing, the, their religion or their spiritual beliefs uh, as something to lean on and work with as you go through that grieving process? All right. For me, um, I'm I'm Catholic. My faith is very important to me. I believe in an afterlife. I believe that we'll see those we love. I believe that when someone passes, that life is changed. It isn't ended. And the people I spoke to, whether it was a surviving husband or wife, the people who had that strong religious belief were the ones who handled it handled it well um they believed again this isn't an ending it's a change uh, then there were people who who weren't religious and they found their strength with family with friends and that got them that got them through it the people who handled it with the most difficulty were the people who who didn't have the religion, who weren't close to a lot of people, who who had had backed off from their friends. And that's something you have to have a support system, whether it's religion, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends. And that's why you need to include these people in your life. Great advice. Um... When we're talking about uh, stuff, if you will, everybody in our society has so many things because there's some people, it's a consumer driven society. And when somebody passes, they're going to have a, whether a lot of, I know what happened with my dad and other folks in my family when they pass, they had all types of stuff, whether it's artwork or tools or fishing rods or golf clubs and clothes. What do you, how do you, what's the best way? And what have you heard from other people in terms of how do you manage it? And it could even be a house 
you know, with all the furniture in it, because you might want to scale down or move or whatever. What's your advice and what have you heard from other people in terms of good insights and suggestions in terms of how to manage the logistics of dealing with the stuff? Well, I always say when someone dies, they don't take all their stuff with them. <laughs> and they leave it for you to deal with. Um, that's another thing. You can't let someone tell you, oh, get rid of this. Just do it right away to get rid of those memories because you may be doing something you're going to regret. On the other end of that, you can't hang on to it forever, acting like the person's going to walk through the door. So what do you do with it? Pete, Pete had been in business and uh, he was in sales. So he had an extensive work wardrobe. And I went online and I looked, I, I Googled, you know, Dr. Google knows everything. I Googled, what do you do with with business clothes? Where can you donate business clothes? And I learned that Men's Warehouse, Robert, has an annual nationwide drive and they collect um, business clothes, suits, shirts, ties, shoes, overcoats for men who are interviewing for jobs or just entering the workforce. So that's after I asked family members what they wanted uh, friends, what they wanted. And many of our friends were retiring. Pete had been retired, but I asked them what they wanted. And what was left business-wise went to men's warehouse. Then I donated his casual clothes, all his 150, it seemed like, golf shirts and everything else. That's that's what I donated to um, to charity. Again, asking family members and friends if there was anything they wanted. For the husbands, it, it's been harder for them. Um, many, not many, a few of them haven't touched anything, Robert. And it, it's been maybe two or three years. And I talked to them and I said, you know, your wife would want you to give this to people who could use it, not have it just sit there. And they they agreed, you know, this isn't healthy. I have to, I have to get rid of this. Um, but other people would donate the things. There are church thrift stores, there's dress for success, where women who have been who are entering the workforce again or interviewing can get clothes to go out and do these things. Um, charity. You have you have Goodwill, you have church thrift stores. There are a lot of places. But the big thing is, once you do that, that's part of the healing. You can move on. Take a picture of something if it has special significance. Um, one of the wives' husbands had had won a golf tournament, and she took a picture of the emblem on his jacket. She donated the jacket, but. There are so many places that can use things like this and stuff. Habitat for humanity. You know, husbands don't use up all their project materials. Habitat for humanity will come to your home and they'll take things that they use for rehabbing houses, for building houses. So there are so many places and get on the internet, find where you can donate tools, find where you can donate wood that's left over from projects 
there's there's a lot that you can find out on the internet. If someone's not good with it, have some, have a friend do it. Have a, a, a son or daughter do it for you. Got it. Um, in terms of uh, getting yourself kind of back out there, and not everybody is a social butterfly, and you, people do need time to kind of go within and heal, but it's important to stay connected. So what are some um, tips for those who have been recently widowed in terms of staying connected and kind of getting back out there? I'm not ne saying necessarily dating because that's all very individual choice and right. it's based on a lot of different factors, but just making sure that you don't kind of just stay inside and zone out and not keep going with the world because you are alive. It is a gift and, and, uh, depending on your age and your health, you may be around for decades. So it's important not to just shut down. What are some tips for that? And what have you heard from others? One of the best pieces of advice that I was given was to accept. Now we're not, there's a period, Robert, where you're, I call it the busy time, where you're so busy with the bank, with the financial institutions, with cars, you have, you have titles to change, um, registrations, to, to get rid of, that there is no time for, for the socializing. Um, but then that time passes. And one of the best pieces of advice I was given was to accept every invitation if you don't have another obligation. That is critical because let's be honest, if you keep turning invitations down, if you keep canceling, Eventually, people are going to stop asking you. And again, this is your support system. Um, people don't ask men to go places as, as much as they ask women. And the men were aware of this. And that's why they often felt left out. Many of them felt abandoned. Why do you, think that it, why do you think that is that the men don't get invited as much as the women? I think it's because there's a misconception that as soon as their wife dies, men are going to get out there and find someone else. And that when I saw how these men were grieving after many years of losing their, their spouse, it's not true. That's why that book, when women read the book for men, they one of the women who read it, she bought it to give to a friend of hers who had been widowed. She said it it was beautifully, heartbreakingly difficult to read it because it's not what she expected. And I think one of the reasons is that people think, oh, men are going to remarry right away. They're going to find someone else. But that is because of the loneliness. We're getting back to that. Men miss the conversations they had with their wives. They can learn to cook. They can learn to clean if they haven't, haven't done it before. That That's not brain surgery, but they need someone to share things with. Now, with the women, they have their girlfriends. And we women, any woman, woman will tell you this, we, we exchange emotions. Something's bothering us. We'll call a girlfriend and say, you won't believe this. Men don't do that. It gets back to what most men That's true. talk about. Mm -hmm. It is. But um, one of the women said, you need to extend invitations, too. And I did that. I, I would have couples over to the house. 
And it's always a good idea if you're going to to socialize, um, to do it with more than one couple, because guys don't always like to listen to girl talk. And if you're if you're with two or more couples, the men have other men to talk to. Now that's from a view a woman's viewpoint. For the men, they may turn down invitations at first, but I would tell their friends to keep up with it. Don't let them just sit there. Say, even if it's just the guys getting together, come on, we're, we're going out to lunch. People belong to a group of guys called the Romeos, retired old men eating out. And <laughs> he, he, yeah, he, he loved that. But the guys would go out to lunch and you can do that. Um, other widowers I talked to will get together from with guys from work. That's that's always fun. Or they'll get involved with men and women in the groups that senior citizens have, or if they're younger church groups. And there are just so many things you can do. Um, one thing I have to get in, and that's it's not all about you. When you help others, you help yourself. And when you help yourself, you're helping others. There are so many places to volunteer at. And that's getting out socially. You meet other people doing that. So the big thing is, it's unhealthy for you and it's unhealthy for the people you're around to just sit and and feel sorry for yourself. Feel sorry for yourself a little bit and then you have got to move through it. Your wife, your husband would want you to. Last question. Um, what can what would be your advice to people who uh, know other people who are going into the grieving process, who are be becoming widowed? What should people do and be aware of? How can they be of the most help to them? They can be of most help by listening to them, by telling them. Um, if, especially if it's at the beginning during that busy time, by telling them, you know, you have a lot to do, but but when things calm down, I'm going to call you and we, we can get together. That's always good. Another thing is understand everyone grieves a loss in his or her, her own way. And if, if you give someone an advice, say, here's a bereavement group, group you should go to. Here's a book you should read. And if that person doesn't immediately act on it, don't take it personally. Right now, they're dealing with so many, so many things. They'll do it in their own time. Perfect. Okay. My special guest on Guys Guys Radio, Bonnie Merrifield, the two books. So now you're a widow and the ultimate widower's guide. Great job. Great advice. I know it's not a happy subject and you've devoted so much energy to this and love. So thank you for doing what you're doing, Bonnie. You're doing a real service. How can people learn more about you and the work you're doing and get your book, et cetera? Uh, my book is available through my publisher, Outskirts Press. It's available on Amazon.com, uh, BarnesandNoble.com. Okay. And, and that's where they can learn more about me and the books. Fantastic. Well, great job. Thank you for being on Guys Guys Radio. It's a real pleasure. And uh, thank you, our friend Ken Chandelson, who connected us. And uh, God bless you and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Robert. And thank you for having me. You're welcome. 
It's Guy's Guy Radio. That was a very informative, amazing discussion with Bonnie Merrifield. I'm so glad to have connected with her and so glad that she's doing the work she's doing because there's so many people out there who have lost a spouse and really were not aware of all the things that they were going to be faced with upon their spouse's passing. And it's a lot. And on top of that, you need to go through the grieving process. You have all the logistics, how to deal with your family, what you need to know moving forward, dealing with the government and taxes and titles and possessions and social security and all that stuff. So it's important. You know, Guys Guys Radio, we're here for you, bringing you information about all different areas of life. And in this case, of what it means when somebody close to you, if your spouse passes. And again, we're in baby boomer generation is, is aging each and every day. Hopefully we're doing the things we need to do to have as many quality years as possible. And it is possible to, to take care of ourselves and really do the work to prevent chronic illness, etc. But you never know what's going to happen. And you never know what's coming down the pike. And the last thing you want to have happen is you're surprised and don't know what to do when your spouse passes. What did we learn? I think the biggest thing we learned is be prepared. Have discussions about this if you're married or in a partnered relationship. Have a discussion with your partner at some point. I know it's not a fun discussion to have, but at a certain point, you have to let the other person know where everything is, what your passwords are, if you want to put them someplace that they can access them when they need to, your banking information, all, all that kind of stuff, and what they want to have done if they pass. Because many times it, be, it comes as a sudden, as sudden surprise, and other times it's a long, lingering illness. But in any case, it's good to get a lot of that prep work out of the way ahead of time versus waiting for it to happen when you have so much emotion and so many logistics to deal with. It's good to have a plan ahead of time, and you don't have to think about it. You just put the plan somewhere where you know where it is and your spouse knows where it is, and then you can move on and live your lives. So Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening on KCAA Radio in Southern California, 106.5 FM, 1050 AM. The show rebroadcasts on uh, KCAA Radio every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Now, KCAA also streams the shows. They do, I think they have their own podcast and YouTube, and uh, they have uh, a lot of other platforms where the show is aired. So, but it's all through KCAA. Now, on Guys Guys Radio, we have our own podcast separate from KCAA, even though it's the same show. So you can catch my podcast all over where, wherever you consume your podcasts, we're there. And we're downloaded in over 100 countries and we chart frequently in a lot of different markets around the world. And you can access the show anywhere at any time, 24-7, 365. We're also now on UK Health Radio every weekend. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, we're on the world's largest digital health talk radio network. It's a, it's a digital network, so it's on the internet. And you can just go to ukhealthradio.com and you can find the show. And again, we're on four times every week. The podcast, the YouTube, and the rumble of Guys Guys Radio post every Thursday. So if you want to watch the interviews on Rumble or YouTube, you can catch us there. So if you enjoy the guests and content I bring you each and every week on Guys Guys Radio, all of these shows to help you live your best life, 
Please support the show by liking us, following us, subscribing to us wherever wherever you consume your content, podcasts, YouTube, whatever. If you subscribe on YouTube, that's that's helpful because we're pretty new to YouTube and we want to catch up to a lot of the other great shows on there on the platform. And it would really be helpful and I appreciate it because we we devote the majority of our time in the show to bring you the best content possible to help you live your best life. You can also catch me, Robert Manny, M-A-N-N-I, on my website, very simply, robertmanny.com. I've got over 300 blog posts about life, love, the pursuit of happiness, pretty much everything we've covered on Guys Guys Radio and more. And you can read all of that for free. And we also have an offer for you there where you can download three free chapters of my novel called The Guys Guys Guide to Love. It's about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money in New York City. It's a rom-com told from the male point of view. It's a little bit of a peek behind the curtain into the weird, odd, wild world of modern men and their dating habits. And it's been called Fast, Frothy, Fun, and the Male Successor to Sex in the City. So I hope you can check that out. And you will check that out because get the three free chapters. Give it a shot. If you like it, then you can pick it up on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. You can get the physical copy or a digital copy. So we're here for you every week on Guys Guys Radio. I love doing the show. We've interviewed over 750 guests, and we've got a lot of great shows lined up well into 2023, the coming months. I think you're really going to enjoy the people I have in mind. And the good news is, as our audience keeps growing and we keep doing more shows, we get more and more requests for guests to be on the show. And I have to be very selective because what I want to do is really bring you the very best information that can help you. Now, listen, you might be 25 years old and you're not thinking about becoming a widower or a widower. You know what? It can happen. And also, you can relate to some other folks in your life, maybe your parents, whatever, in terms of what they may be going through at a certain point in their lives. So there's information here for you, regardless of your age, your gender, your race, whatever, that you can capture and really determine, hey, is this right for me? I don't expect you to agree with every single thing that every one of my guests says. I don't. I ask them the questions I think you'd want me to ask them. And then from there, you take it from there and say, hey, I can roll with this. This could be helpful. So Guys Guys Radio, once again, we're here for you every week. We're going to be back again next week. I've got a great guest lined up. And until then, like I always like to say, Guys, guys, finish first.